It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Would you use your property to supplement your pension? Record numbers of Britons are using Equity Release to do just that. We examine the pros and the cons. Our Rich People's Problems columnist James Max has a bee in his well-trimmed bonnet about shoddy customer service. And is it any wonder when 1.4 million people raised a dispute with financial companies and other service providers using Resolver last year? Analysing what people are moaning about provides a fascinating glimpse into how we live today. Welcome to The Money Show, the FT's weekly podcast about personal finance and investing. I'm Claire Barrett, FT Money Editor, bringing you all of this week's money news. Are you relying on your property to be your pension? The over 60s in the UK are collectively sitting on £1.7 trillion worth of housing equity, and record numbers of them are turning to equity release to unlock money tied up in their properties. And this is being accessed at the rate of £10 million per day and is on course to hit a record £5 billion this year. Joining me now is Lindsay Cook, the FT's Money Mentor columnist, who wrote all about equity release in FT Money last week. Welcome to the podcast, Lindsay. Good morning. So for listeners who are unfamiliar with equity release, how does it work? It's a way that people over 55 who are house rich, income poor, haven't got much of a mortgage probably paid off their whole mortgage, can raise tax-free money, which they can use for whatever they want to do. Um, It's best to do it the older you are, because for most people, the interest rolls up every year. And if you're 55, you've probably got 30 years to live. So do it later. You can pay interest to reduce the amount and keep the debt constant. But most people haven't got much income and therefore they choose to roll it up. And that means that when you die or go into a care home, your house is sold. And at that point, the mortgage lender who has lent you the tax-free cash that you've taken out of your property will receive that back and the interest on the loans. And anything that's left over after that will be passed on through your estate. That's it. It used to be a dreadful thing. I'm old enough to remember when they were quite a con job and people ended up, their family actually ended up owing more than they'd borrowed or having really big exit fees that they weren't expecting. And this is when somebody's gone into a care home or has just died. So it's really upsetting. In the last few years, there has been legislation The FCA now looks after them. The Equity Release Council has rules so that you can't end up with a debt that is bigger than the value of your house. Even if your house falls off a cliff, even, Mm. they guarantee 
there won't be a debt greater than the, the house. And for a lot of people who've got no children or whose children are well set up, it's a way of releasing cash if their pension's not living up to expectations. Mm. Or frankly, if they just think, well, we're alive now, we may as well spend the money. Skiers, I believe it's called, spending the kids' inheritance now. But in fact, as you said in the article, the people who are most likely to complain nowadays about equity release products are the relatives of those who've taken out loans, presumably because it has eaten away at the inheritance. They've always been the relatives. I can remember 30 years ago dealing with the nephew of somebody who had used money to buy a Porsche and he hadn't lived very long, but he'd had a really good final year. (laughs) And the problem is that some people don't tell their children or their beneficiaries what they are doing. And Equity Release Council and anybody who is professionally involved advises that you should include your children, beneficiaries. They often fix up meetings so that you can go through it all because often the children will say, oh, but what happens if you want to downsize or what happens if? And they think of questions and there are 220 different lifetime mortgages now. So most people can find one that suits their needs or their, their what they're going to be doing. Not everybody knows when they are 70, say, when they take out a loan, that what they're going to be doing when they're 80. It depends on their health. It depends on where their children are living, etc. So having flexibility, understanding what the terms and conditions are, are absolutely vital. And there's actually no obligation if you didn't want to tell your children, although the professionals advise that you should, there's no obligation on you to do so. Absolutely not. It's your money. Well, as Eddie Mayer said on LVC last week, he said, how do you know that your mother hasn't taken out equity release on her home? Uh, <laughs> and, I, and I said, well, I, I would actually be quite happy if she did because she could spend the money on herself. And I've, as you say, I've done all right for myself. I'm not relying on that money coming down the line, but plenty of other people would be. And it's a, it's a matter of if they're shocked by the news. And if they don't know all the details, they might feel mum has been um, robbed or... or hoodwinked. Hoodwinked, yeah. yes. Interesting. But when people borrow money in this way, what are they actually spending it on? It really varies on their age. The earliest you can take out equity release loan is 55. And the average is 70 for men and I think 68 for women. So most people don't rush at it. Interest-only mortgages, paying it off. Some of the lenders who've lent interest-only mortgages to people for their main home can get quite heavy as the older person is reaching retirement. So that is the biggest cause. 76% of the 55 to 64-year-olds. Other debts, such as credit cards, clearing those because they know that their income's going to fall when they do retire and they won't be able to cover them. So they don't want to have a debt. As you get older, home improvements, making the house future-proof so Mm. that you can move around it, reducing the stairs, probably widening doorways. The couple in your um, case study that went in the FT Money feature had spent money on improving energy efficiency and the upfront cost of installing solar panels, which over time will reduce their energy bills, but needed a bit of capital to... And it made their home more comfortable for living in. And if you're there all day... You probably notice if it's a bit drafty, whereas if you've had it done, you're quite comfortable. Over 75s, it is really supplementing income and also thinking about care home costs. Mm. Well, I'm interested that you mentioned that because it's not just the next generation who have their eye on a slice of the housing wealth of the baby boomers. The government is also keen. Yes, they are. And some people are using 
equity release, lifetime mortgages, home reversion plans where you sell part of the value of your home to a company and that percentage of your home you get less than it's actually worth now but they never take more than if you take half they never get more than half at the end it's always of raising money some people are doing it to um, reduce their assets for inheritance tax purposes other people are taking money out so they can make transfers give gifts to their children that are potentially exempt transfers so they avoid inheritance tax if they live for seven years so they're thinking my estate is going to be worth more and i'm going to be paying 40 percent. so actually they do the calculations and say well the interest is going to be this but i'd be paying 40 percent on the whole estate above 300 and whatever it is 25 i'm going to um, access that money now and we should say that the interest rates on most equity release loans. This is not a cheap way of borrowing. They are more expensive than conventional mortgages. They are more expensive than conventional mortgages. Uh, They're more expensive than retirement interest-only loans. But the difference is you don't have to make payments. You can just let it roll up. And there is a cost to the company because they're not getting the money for probably 30 years. So there is a cost to them. And retirement interest-only loans... You, the second person, so the, the widow or widower, has to have sufficient income to make the payments. If they don't, you don't get the loan. And quite often, a widow doesn't have the major um, salary. So um, they may be excluded. So it's bringing more choice into the market for the over 55s. But as Lindsay says in her article, which details all of the potential pros and cons of equity release, you really need to know what you're doing before you go into this area. But thanks very much there to Lindsay Cook, the FT's money mentor. You can read that feature. It's called Equity Release, How to Squeeze Money Out of Your Home, online now on our website, ft.com slash money. And if you would like to ask Lindsay questions about equity release or any other aspect of living for longer, then and you can email her. Her address is money.mentor at ft.com. You're through to an annoying automated customer services system. We can't be bothered spending money on employing humans to talk to you, so please select from the following options. Press 1 if you are ruining the day you ever signed up to our rubbish service. Press 2 if you would like to hold for half an hour before we cut you off. Press 3 if you would like to hear these options again. Or press 4 if you would like to hear James Max boil over with rage. No, press 4, press 4, we press 4. <laughs> well, that, just my little joke there, listeners. But what better introduction to James Max or Rich People's Problems columnist who has been ranting on in his column this week about poor customer service? I just made your ears bleed. I'm so sorry. Except in the life in which we uh, operate now, there are no apologies coming to you for anything. No one's going to apologise for making any mistakes. They're not going to give you your money back. They're not going to save you your time. They're not going to do anything. Seriously, we are downgrading through the use of artificial quasi-intelligence. And it's not intelligent. It is artificial. Now, your column this weekend was instructed death to the chatbots. Now, in the good old days, you argue, the wealthy could expect to be treated with kid gloves by the companies that they bought goods and services from. But technology and the democratising power of technology has ruined all of that. Well, it has rather. The point is that your clip tones, uh, historically, would bring you uh, better customer services. You'd go in and they'd assume that maybe you might be a customer that they want to have in the future. And maybe uh, Mrs. who's popping in, who's very upset about something. I don't think the customer service here is quite good enough. And of course, when she starts raising her voice... (laughs) 
Then, of course, they do something, but a chatbot doesn't care. A call centre in India, quite frankly, doesn't care. They don't care. And also, we've ended up in this very, very strange world in which the longer you stay with a firm, the less they give you customer service. Where did that come from? Well, there was one thing I feel I must a serious point I must raise from your column. Um, one of the energy providers is actually giving a discount to its customers if they don't email or phone up. They'll give you about £13 off per quarter, which I just found extraordinary. I think that's really almost quasi-rude. I think the point about uh, energy companies and the fact that they've made their charges so obscure, you cannot compare like with like. And the reason that it's so difficult is because they have standing charges that no one seems to understand that can range from between 5p per energy up to sort of 35p per energy per day. And if you're a big user of energy, then it's kind of insignificant. But if you're a small user of energy, that maybe, for example, you've got a lock-up garage and you've got to have an electricity meter in there, if they have fixed tariff charges, which are 25-30p a day, you might be using a dribble of electricity and they're charging your fortune. These people are making off like bandits. They don't care. They don't answer you. You never get the same people to deal with it again. They don't keep the records properly. They are horrors to deal with. And the democratisation of this has meant that the more money you spend or the more money that you may have that historically bought you better customer service has all gone unless you are uber uber wealthy in which case you just delegated that response and responsibility to somebody else well let's have a look at the reader comments you didn't get all that many on this column only 125 oh is that a lot (laughs) no that's very good that's very Um, good um, lots of them were as usual, very funny. May I be permitted to read out my favourite one? Yes, please. Um, this is from the FT um, online reader, Frog. And he or she says, James, this is the first article I've read in your column that hasn't annoyed me. I didn't realise until now I enjoy getting annoyed by your stupid articles. You've let me and yourself down here. I'm really sorry. <laughs> I'm really sorry. And, and what did you reply? Uh, I uh, said that I'd speak to my editor, you, and we'd discuss whether I could write about either red trousers or Bentleys next time. Okay, done. Uh, okay, I think there is there is something to be done about red trousers. Uh, the other comment that I received, which was on a similar vein, but I did enjoy it. How much time, I think one, this is a bit of a sort of like a hectoring sort of one. How much time did Mr Max waste in writing this article and how many thousands of people's minutes were wasted reading it? I replied that I wasted no time and nor did I waste thousands of minutes because the more minutes you wasted, we harvested your data. (laughs) Goodness me, this goading of the readers. I'm so sorry. Another one, Q, said, what is a chatbot? And the most excellent response from reader Hi04 says, sorry, I didn't quite get that. What kind of support do you need? Hayo also responded to uh, Tinamu Finance, who said, why is this dreadful article being published? To which Hayo responded, presumably to irritate the morally superior and easily outraged to share their disgust week after week. Uh, but we did receive one or two comments, I think, which were helpful. Um, Biz says, contrary to most people, I do not believe this article was a waste of time. I agree with most of what is shared here, to an extent. Obviously, got to qualify it. Can't agree with everything. Though I sometimes wonder which is worse, a customer service attendant following a script and not using their common sense to solve a query, or a chatbot complimenting me even when I am wrong. (laughs) Well, there was also some commentary from a reader called Pulex about how the Germans do it better than us. 
It may seem contradictory, but the fact is that in a highly efficient country like Germany, Pulek says, you don't get bots trying to engage with you. You rarely get the press one for, press two for nonsense. Answer phones are uncommon, and most business and public utility numbers are answered within three rings. The reason? Because the Germans understand that business efficiency also involves an appreciation that the coolest time is valuable too. Let's all move to Germany. Well, there is that, uh, whilst we can. Oh no, I nearly got the swear box out. Yeah, but this is the point, isn't it? Which is different people deal with customer service in different ways. And maybe we've been perhaps brainwashed that the American have a nice day. Uh, you know, the customer is always right sort of mentality, except with a kind of British hint of sarcasm and or sort of grit in the teeth is the way to go. Whereas in fact, what we used to have was old fashioned customer service, which you only really received once you earned it. And I think that we've lost this whole concept of earning. And in fact, we're almost happier to treat new customers with great respect and great revere because we can sell on the data or sell on whatever it is product that they bought from us. And when you're actually showing an element of loyalty, maybe it's it's rather like uh, the only normal people are people you don't know very well. And the only good customers are customers you don't know very well. And so when you get to know a customer well, of course, someone's going to say, oh, I don't like this and I don't like that. So they're trying to put you off. They just want new customers because they can sell those. And then they can go back to their shareholders and say, look how many customers we brought in this time. Do give me a bonus. (laughs) Well, thanks very much there to James Max. You can read his Rich People's Problem column all about how chatbots need to be killed off online now at ft.com slash money. And if you have a problem for James to look into, you can email him at richpeoplesproblems at ft.com. But please note, there is no apostrophe. Finally, James, for once, isn't the only one ranting on about poor service. Nearly 1.5 million people used Resolver, the free online complaints resolution website, in the last financial year. But what were they complaining about? Joining us now is Martin James, head of media at Resolver. Welcome to The Money Show. Thanks for having me on. Well, in terms of the biggest number of complaints, I think I can probably guess what comes top. Well, it won't come as any surprise to anyone, really, that PPI is still lingering on and is still the most complained about thing. But here's the rub. We've seen complaints have dropped by about a quarter in the last year. And part of that is down to the saturation of the market by those nightmare claims for management companies that um, are blanket advertising all over the place. But also, I think people have PPI fatigue. You hear about it so much. And the number of people I've spoken to in the last week alone who said to me, I need to put that claim in before the deadline. Well, the deadline is on the 29th of August of this year. So time is running out. So if you really do have PPI fatigue, it makes sense not only to not wait any longer, but also to not pay a firm to basically not provide a very good service and take loads of your money. Exactly. And it's very easy to do online on Resolver, of course. And I say that because I've used it myself. Now, in terms of the biggest percentage rise in complaints, you've looked at all of the different categories. That tells a very different story. And it's one that fits in with what James was writing about the digitisation of how we buy stuff. Well, absolutely. Um, One of the biggest rises has been um, online shopping and indeed anything to do with online shopping. And of course, package delivery, which is the direct byproduct of ordering things online, is up by an extraordinary 203%. Now, needless to say, anyone uh, who's ever ordered anything online will have a horror story about an item being left in a bin or chucked on top of a carport roof, which happened in one instance um, when I was helping someone with a complaint or simply just turned up broken or in very poor condition. The way that we shop has intrinsically changed and for the first time ever online shopping is higher than high street shopping in our complaints. So we're seeing some pretty big changes there. We're also seeing some 
other knock-on aspects of that, we're starting to now see an increase in complaints about buy now, pay later credit, mm. which is now sold to people. I think that people are sleepwalking into debt because this is actually now sold as a lifestyle choice. So when you get to the till, you've got three or four different ways to pay. You can just put it off for six months. But it's good old-style catalogue credit, which means you'll be paying about 40% interest if you don't pay everything off within the time limits, which are incredibly hard to understand. But people don't realise they're taking out credit. And I'm sure a fair few of the listeners will think, well, they should pay more attention. And there is an argument to that. But they make it so easy. I mean, it's just a little pink button often saying, would you like two weeks to pay for this? And if you're ordering clothes online, because it is the clothes retailers who are really rushing into this, just as their catalogue forebears had done, because you're getting maybe several different items delivered, you want to try them on, it's annoying if you have to pay for them all to be delivered and then wait two weeks for the company to refund you. So there is an advantage to buying on credit because it's kind of not your money. But if you fail to do the administration, send the item back, say you don't want it, then you're absolutely right. You can be charged whacking great fees and often be stuck with the clothes as well. (laughs) Yes, in five different sizes because you thought you'd send them back in time. And I think that's one of the really frustrating things. Um, Credit and deals like this work on the basis that we think we're going to be the better people and pay off the deals in time when the credit providers know that we're not and we're going to get distracted by life. We're not going to make it to the post office to return the items. And the next thing you know, you've bought them. So the evolution of the credit market is a really stealthy thing. Um, And what they've done is rebranded everything very convincingly. So it looks like it's all about convenience, but it's not. It's high cost lending and no different to a payday lender in many ways. Mm. Payday lenders, obviously, very high up in your charts too. But a couple of other online related things which are rising up the complaints hit list, if you wanted to call it that, are online ticket websites. And we've written a lot about Via Gogo and FT Money in the last year. They've had a few battles with the competition regulator. And also, although it was only a 16% increase, the number of people complaining about takeaway deliveries, which they've presumably made via an app, is also on the up. Yeah, I love this time of year because our our stats, which will be going onto our website later on today, they cover 100 products and services. And they really do kind of reflect the way that we're living and, you know, how busy we are and how we've changed. You'd think, you know, watching the television and looking at all the lifestyle magazines that, you know, we'd all sit down to very nice, you know, vegetarian or vegan, perfectly prepared items of uh, food. When the reality is the vast majority of us are getting home, we're very, very tired and we're ordering a takeout. So we're seeing huge increases in complaints about delivery companies and those aggregating websites uh, where you can order food online. Uh, Needless to say, it's um, late deliveries, poor quality food, all of those things that are upsetting people. Um, But we're also seeing, you know, a whole range of other complaints about, um, you know, entertainment. So film and streaming services are also considerably up this year as we all switch to uh, Netflix or Amazon Prime or any of the other streaming services that are available. Um, And of course, as you mentioned, you know, ticketing services via GoGo, obviously, terrible, terrible company. I have no qualms about saying that because they really are but many, many other organisations as well, um, including direct purchase ticket companies. A lot of controversy about them because terms and conditions aren't always clear. And of course, you know, we all want to stop resale companies, but it's incredibly hard if you can't attend a gig or a concert or uh, a performance to actually gift or pass on those tickets to someone else because now you need to produce ID to actually be able to get in in the first place. So if you can't go to a particular event, then it's very, very difficult to actually pass on or sell back your tickets. Now, finally, while we've got you here, 
we've spoken a lot about this podcast about complaints and problems with customer service. Is there any evidence that Resolver is seeing that all of this complaining is actually improving the way companies treat their customers? Yes and no. Uh, <laughs> so I'm totally with James on you know on the chatbots and indeed on customer service when you call through to uh, to organisations. There are a certain number of businesses who are recognising the advantage of standing out from the crowd and actually are trying to do something fundamentally different about retaining customer loyalty. And it is all about that loyalty that companies have taken for granted for far far too many years. However, a particular bugbear of mine that I've seen in the last year or so, which is really frustrating, is huge numbers of businesses are removing the capacity to directly email them if you've got a complaint. Mm. Um, so you can go through the chat box, you can try and call through you know, 57 different phone lines, but if you want to make an honest-to-goodness written complaint, emails are being phased out, and it's something that we really need to start pushing back on now. I found myself in the extraordinary position recently, personally, where I've had to write to an online shop and indeed to an airline. And in both instances, I was told the only way I could make a written complaint was to actually put it in writing and send it by post, which is all very quaint. And, you know, I'm sure the young people listening to this will be very confused about how one does that. post. (laughs) But isn't that extraordinary? And yet huge numbers of organisations are removing that email facility. There is no excuse for this. It simply means they're trying to avoid directly dealing with individuals and, more importantly, for their boring compliance reporting statistics that they all have to do, they're trying to not register your problem as a complaint because then they have to report it. All of this is not in the spirit of customer relations in any way whatsoever. And I would say that the evidence is very clear from our customers, the vast majority of whom, two-thirds, mentioned poor customer service when they made their complaint, is that they simply just want to be listened to by the business. And that goes a huge way to resolving most complaints. Well, here, here. Thank you very much there for Martin James from Resolver. You can read our analysis of those complaints statistics in FT Money this weekend on sale on Saturday or online on our website, ft.com slash money. Well, that's it from the FT Money Show this week. If you'd like to get in touch with our team of experts, you can email us money at ft.com. Or if you'd like to follow us on Twitter to get the latest news updates, our handle is at FT Money. We'll be back next week at the usual time. Goodbye. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.